Today we're going to talk about the Go Church for a few moments, the Go Church, amen? So here we go, the Go Church, Matthew chapter 28, start at verse number 18. And uh, matter of fact, let me start at verse 16. I'm just going to start at verse 16, Matthew chapter 28. If you have it, say, I have it. All right, go, living life for others. Here we go. I'm going to start at verse 16, and the Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went away to Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. This is a command from Jesus. It's not a suggestion. It's not something that you could do if you belong to church if you go to church, well, this is one of the many things you could do. You could uh, be a children's church worker. You could be a greeter. You could play drums for the worship team. Or you could go and make disciples. No, it, it's not that way. This is for every member of the body of Christ. And you might say, well, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not, a, I'm not even a relational evangelist. But how many know just the way you live your life sometimes evangelizes to others? both positively and negatively. Come on now, both ways. So if we're going to be a Go Church, this is what we need to be. The Go Church is simply this. The Go Church is an active, we're not passive. We don't just sit back. The Go Church is an active, interceding church. How many know the Go Church is a praying church? Come on. That confronts the powers of hell, shares the gospel, believes and expects a great harvest for the kingdom of God. The Go Church is active. We don't sit back and wait for, we, you know, I, I, hear, I heard it a lot, and I have a different perspective on, uh, you know, the growing the church. You know, we sometimes say, well, we just need to pray. We pray, God, send them from the east and from the west and the north and the south. Send them from the highways and the byways. That prayer, I, I don't see that prayer in the Bible like that. What I see is a parable saying, Go to the byways and the highways. That's what I see Jesus saying. He didn't say pray that we send them in. He said the harvest is white, but the laborers, a laborer indicates someone who has to work, somebody who has to do something. Come on, somebody. The laborers are few. And, you know, last week we talked about how it begins with prayer. I want to let you know that we had such a good time in prayer even yesterday. And I know everybody can't come out on, on Saturdays, uh, but this month um, we are having prayer Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. And uh, our prayer board was up over here, but it's gone now. And, uh, but we have a prayer board up and... Um, you know, prayer requests go up, and I mean, we intercede, and we enter in, and, and God really moves, and God speaks to us, amen? And so the Go Church is, first of all, a praying church. We have to pray so that God will show us where to go. We have to understand that we are put together for a purpose. Would God simply put us together so that we can say, oh, look at that group of people, look at that building, look at what God has done. He's put some people together. No, he puts us together for a purpose. I'm going to take you to a few different scriptures just for a few moments, if that's all right. Go over to Ephesians chapter 2. 
Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talks a lot about the church and how God has put us together. And uh, we're not just individuals. If you look at verse 19, Paul said, Now therefore, talking to the church at Ephesus, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Watch this now. Having been built up on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. God takes us all from all walks of life, all places all over the planet, and he puts us together. He fits us together in one body for a purpose. And it's not to sit back and say, look what God has done, but it's to go. My kids used to watch this show uh, on TV, and I used to think it was just the silliest thing, but it was so funny. And, um, you know, it was kind of like there were these, uh, these people who were uh, just regular teenagers, but they would sort of transform and morph into something else. And I think they called themselves the Power Rangers. Even you know, Jody. See, yeah, Power Rangers were popular, weren't they? And, uh, you know, SPD, you know. And uh, so they would, when they had to fight a foe, they would just, I forget, they would say something and then they would transform into a Power Ranger and they would be able to fight and do all sorts of things. But when there was a big foe, they had to come together. All of them came together and they made one big old thing. And in that thing, they would have to fight together and that thing would defeat the enemy. How many know that we're all individuals? We come from different places. Some of us have hair. Some of us don't. Some of us are skinny. Some of us are not. But we come together. Everybody needs a little, you know, everybody has to have a little teeny bit of fat. You know, come on. And so I can help with that part. But we come together as one body and this is how the enemy is defeated. Now, how many know God, God doesn't need us to defeat the enemy, but he made it that way. He wants relationship with us. God doesn't want to be lonely either. And he put us together for a purpose. Flip over to 1 Peter. That's all the way in the back. 1 Peter, and look at chapter 2 of 1 Peter. This you know, it's amazing to me what God does with us. He says this, he says, you also as living stones, you're living stones, you're being built up to a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In other words, what he's doing is he's taking us from all sorts of places. He's putting us together and he's building something. And when God builds something, Come on now, when God builds something, I mean, it's put together right. I mean, it, not, it, it looks good. Now, we might not say that because a bunch of us that are imperfect, some of you might be perfect or think that you are, but a bunch of us are imperfect. And God takes all of us that are imperfect and puts us together, and he makes something that is perfect. It's his body. We're not perfect. So we don't contribute any perfection to the body at all. But it's what God puts together with us, with his Holy Spirit. And he makes a perfect body, a perfect church without a blemish. Think about that. Because I know you can look in the mirror and say, well, I don't know about that. 
Or you can look at a church and, and how they act and, 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 and what's going on in the church. Say, well, I don't know about that. But when God looks at you, oh, whiter than snow. If you wash me, Lord, I'll be whiter than snow. Listen, he doesn't impute sin unto us. God imputes righteousness unto us. And it's not by anything that we've done. For by grace you are saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. In the same way, God puts the church together. It's nothing you do. We are the planting of the Lord, Isaiah said. We're the planting of the Lord. And now I say all that to say that God put us together, and what I want you to understand this morning is that you're special. Not because of something that you've done, but because of God and how he put us together, you are special. You've heard all the words, the ecclesia, we are the called out, God has separated us. Come on, he's made us, and we are special. You need to understand that you are part of something very, very special and very valuable. The world doesn't have this. The world say that they have a church, but the world doesn't have a true church, folks. Come on. Nor can it ever, because the world has not been called out by God. It does, however, have a counterfeit church that is built and organized by men and women, not by Christ. It functions and operates solely on the wisdom of man. And how many know that that's not a true church? The only way you can say that it's a church is if the head is, come on, Jesus Christ. He made up church from the beginning of time. He created it. And he's building it, Jesus and Jesus alone. You see, the world church that they call church, 2 Timothy 3, 5, has a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. We are instructed to turn away from such organizations. Now, you might say, well, I don't want to seem like I'm an elitist. No, it's, it's not about your attitude being an elitist, but what it is about glorifying God saying, not because of me, but I'm part of something special because God has put this thing together. He's put it together. The true church is commanded to function and operate only according to what Jesus is saying to us through his Holy Spirit. Through his Spirit. And if we follow the Spirit, we don't have any issues with how people see us. They, they persecuted Jesus. Guess what? They're going to persecute you. Now, you don't be arrogant. Come on. It's not about us being arrogant, but it's about us lifting him up. But what I'm trying to get you to see with this point is that God has made you, you're part of something special and unique. The church is unique. No man can build it. Only God can do it. We can come together and have services. We can sing a few songs. We can put together some programs, but we cannot build a church. And Jesus has built a church, and that's you and me. You and I are part of it. All we have to do to be part of it is accept him. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead on the third day, and you will be saved. And then Peter went on to say, listen, repent, be baptized, come on, and you will be filled with God's spirit. All we have to do is accept him. Once you do that, he's the one who puts you in. He may, he's so 
you in to the body. You're part of the body. You don't have to do anything special. You don't have to jump real high. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to memorize anything. Come on now. You don't have to pass a test other than just accepting the love of Christ. For by grace you are saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is of the gift of God. And now God has made us something. Come on, he's made us a force that is unstoppable. I'm going somewhere with this. He's made us a force that is unstoppable. You're unstoppable. Flip over to another scripture. Back to Matthew. Look at, uh, verse, look at verse 16. The true church is commanded to function only by the Spirit of God. It's the only way that you can be part of the church. Look at Matthew chapter 16 is where... Jesus is talking to his disciples, and Peter jumps out and says some things, and Jesus says some things back to him. He, he, Jesus makes it clear that his church is built upon a spirit-quickened revelation of who he is. You can't just go down to City Hall and file some papers and be a church. Now, you'll be a church in the legal sense, but if you want to be the church of Jesus Christ, you need to have a spirit-quickened revelation of who he is, just like the one Peter received here. Note that in verse 17, it says this. Peter, uh, Jesus said to him, he said, uh, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. What did he reveal to him? He said, Who do men say I am? And Peter jumped out and said, You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. Guess what? You didn't get that from teaching. Somebody might have taught it, but you didn't get the revelation from teaching. It was revealed to you by God. And Peter did not receive this revelation by flesh and blood. Neither man's wisdom, nor his knowledge, nor his understanding, nor his theological studies. The Father gave Peter this revelation of Jesus Christ. And it came directly from the Holy Spirit. That's how you become part of the church. Verse 18, he went on to say this. He said, and I say also to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. On what rock? On Peter? No, on the revelation that he got. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. On this revelation, I am building my church. And then Jesus went on to say something that was just amazing to me that I took for granted for so many years. He said, and the gates of Hades... I like the King James, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell cannot prevail. Jesus told the church seven times in Revelation, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Without the Spirit of God and without an ear to hear, we cannot serve God in any capacity in, New, in the New Testament. Any New Testament capacity without having an ear, an anointed ear to hear, and without God's spirit speaking to us because when that happens the church now listen when the leaders and the congregants of the church are following the spirit of God the the, the church is a living organism remember we are the body of Christ and last time I checked Christ lives we're a living organism, but when we come together and we vote on every issue and we, we hash it all out and we see what's reasonable and we do all those things and we make our own doctrine and our own laws and we break off into our own sex, what's happening now is we become a spiritually dead organization. But God wants us to be a living, breathing organism. 
You are special. Only the church is authorized by God to preach the same message, message that Jesus preached to the world. Do you realize that? Only the church. No other organization is authorized to preach the gospel. The message that Jesus Christ preached to the world was the gospel of the kingdom of God, his way of doing things. And in spite of present-day immoralities and compromises, come on, it remains the church's role to uphold these eternal truths and standards that Jesus has set down for us in his word that, by the way, never changes. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God remains forever. Come on. Psalm 119.89, forever, O Lord, thy word is, guess what, settled in heaven. Can't be taken back. It's not going to be changed. And you're part of that. You are the only organism, come on, that's authorized to preach. God moves through you. He doesn't move through anything else. But it's his, it's his body that he moves through. That's how special you are. Come on. Heaven and earth may pass away, Jesus said, but my words will never pass away. They'll never pass away. And since the church alone is commissioned by God to declare his word throughout the entire world, the, the Bible re actually refers to the church, listen, as the pillar and the ground of truth in 1 Timothy. In other words, all Jesus said, I am the way, the what? Truth and the life. And if we're his body, all truth begins with the church. I'm trying to tell you something this morning. Don't go out somewhere else looking for truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That means he just doesn't tell the truth. He just doesn't help you figure out the truth. He is the truth. So when you go to Jesus, you're getting the truth because that's what he is. The church, the, the manifold, multifaceted, many-fold wisdom of God can only be revealed to the powers of this world, guess what, by the church. You don't believe that? Turn over to Ephesians chapter 3. What's so special about the church? I mean, you keep talking about the church. What's so special about the church? He says it right here. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. Look down, I'm going to start at verse 8. Paul says to me, this is, this is, he's talking about the mystery. He says, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. How many thank the Lord that he has unsearchable riches? And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Watch now. To the intent that now, listen, that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. By the church. By the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. You have the responsibility for making the mystery of God known to the world. You have that responsibility, church. 
you are special the church is set apart and the church is special and we have we must do it together Listen, although your salvation was a very uh, personal experience between you and Jesus alone, growing in the Lord and bringing the gospel to the world is not a personal endeavor. It's not. I know you witnessed to that person on your job personally. That is true. But it doesn't end there. It can't stop there. You can't be the only one uh, that speaks the gospel to them. You can't be the only one to teach them. You can't be the only one. Come on. They, they got to be connected to the body. God never made us to be islands or single or out on our own. Come on. He made us to be connected. He wants to be connected with us. It's not a personal endeavor. Guess what? It's a corporate mission. It's the job of the church to take the gospel to the world. Paul's encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road was very personal. But, but yet Jesus immediately handed him over to a brother named Ananias. Come on, for further instructions. Immediately hooked him up with someone else. Remember when Paul was sent out from Antioch? Even on his first apostolic journey, guess what? He was sent out by church leaders and the church people who prayed. They sought the Holy Spirit, and God spoke to them, and they prayed, and they laid hands on him. There are no rogue agents in a go church. We work together under the structure that God has set up. We go hand in hand. Now, that ought to make you feel better if you feel like I'm really not an evangelist. Guess what? You don't have to do it alone. You can hook up with someone else, and, and God will teach you how to figure this thing out. But we must do it together. In Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, uh, the Bible says, He himself, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. But he didn't stop there. He said, for the equipping of the saints, not just to equip the saints, but to equip them for what? For the work of the ministry. Work of the ministry is not just for the pastor. It's not just for the elder or the deacon. Come on. For the edifying of the body of Christ. It's the church's job, all of us together, to go out and preach this gospel to a lost world because they need you. Now, the first week we asked you, uh, did you have a heart? Do you have a heart for the lost? And this is where the rubber meets the road. You don't have to be someone exceptional. Come on, you don't have to be uh, some great preacher or orator. You don't have to be any of those things. All you have to do is love God. Love God in your heart, and he will use you. Besides, you can't do it on your own anyway. You can't go to school for eight years and, and practice and do all these things and say, now I'm ready, I'm a great orator, watch what I do. No, God's not going to use you. But if you're the one that says, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't really know if I speak that well, and maybe the other one speaks a little bit better than me, but if you send me, I'll go. God will use you, and guess what? We'll do it together. We'll do it together. Let me just give you four quick things about a go church. First of all, the church is to be on the offensive. It's what you need to know about a go church. Remember we were talking about uh, gates back in Matthew 16 uh, because Jesus said, uh, on this revelation, I will build my church. And he said, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, 
I know for me growing up, when I used to read that scripture, I would hear someone preach on that scripture. I looked at it, you know, in the Old Testament in Psalms, it talks about gates. Oh, ye gates, lift up your heads. And it, and it speaks a lot about how, uh, you know, gates are, are people that God will use himself through. We're, 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 we're conduits for God. We're workers for God. But in this context, that's not what it means. The Greek word here for gates uh, looks like pile, but it's really pile. The E is, uh, it doesn't matter how you pronounce it, but it, what it's talking about is the gate of a city. The gate of a city. Now, the gate of a city isn't something that goes out on the offensive. The gate of a city is there to keep something out. So there's gates of hell. What are they supposed to keep out? Well, Jesus said it. The gates of hell shall not prevail. You belong to the church. God owns it all. You're part of him. You own it all, including hell. Everything that's in hell, we got it all. Come on. Some people say, well, you know what? I, hell is over there. I just want to be over here, and they can have hell. And God said, I'm taking everything. You know, in the end, in Revelation, he said, listen, uh, imagine this. I'm going to roll up the skies like a scroll. Come on. Can you imagine that? God is an all God. God isn't a partway God. God isn't a, oh, well, after it's all over, I'll just leave Satan with this little piece. No, he's taking it all. That's his attitude. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. The devil stole something from you, and I know it's all cliche when we talk about breakthrough and, uh, you know, all those types of things, but yet that doesn't make it any less true. If the enemy took something from you, he has it hidden in hell. Guess what? The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Go get your stuff back. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. And you might say, well, that was when I was in my 20s. You know, I had that word, and I was supposed to do that thing, and I was supposed to go to school, and I was supposed to start that business. Well, guess what? You ain't dead yet, and the Bible is still true. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. You got to work, start a business, start it, because the gates of hell can't prevail against you. I don't care. The word is still true. Do it. Don't regret. Don't get before the Lord. And he said, I gave you these gifts and I gave you all this stuff. Well, Lord, I really didn't think. Oh, so you didn't think I could help you. You didn't think I was. No, no, no. You. Come on. The gates of hell. We're to be on the offensive. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Number two, the church is a living functioning organism we have to get that in our mind we are a living and breathing functioning organism we are the body of Christ Romans 12 5 says that we are uh, many being made one in the body of Christ we're a living breathing functioning organism we function we, we're gonna go we work I know a lot of people look at the church and say, well, the church don't work. You know, we got empty seats and we got uh, people who, uh, you know, offend other people. And, uh, you know, we got this and we got leadership that's bad and we got pastors who have fallen. We got all this. Guess what? I, I hear you. And you can say all that you want to, but Jesus is the head. And guess what? The church works. I don't care. I love the church. I love the church, even with all its imperfections. You want to know why? Because it's not relying on a man. I don't care who falls. Not that I want someone to fall, but I'm just saying we don't rely on a man. As long as Jesus is still on the throne, I love the church. Come on, somebody. The church works. 
The church functions because Jesus is the head. And don't let nobody put you down if you're in church. Don't let nobody talk about the church. I'm not saying sock them in the mouth. You might want to. But don't let them put you down. They start talking about the church and a bunch of hypocrites. Say, you went golfing last week. You're a hypocrite. There's hypocrites in the grocery store. Come on. There's hypocrites in your house. <laughs> hypocrites on your job. Don't you? I don't keep talking about the church as a bunch of hypocrites. That ain't kept you from working, making a paycheck. Your boss is a hypocrite. I don't want to hear it. The church works. The church functions because Jesus is the head. Number three, the church is to work together. No rogue agents. Come on, you don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to do it by yourself. You're not out there by yourself. You think I got some special, God's given me a special revelation that the church doesn't understand, and so I'm going to stand over here. No, that's not the way God does things. It's not the way he does things. He might give you a revelation, but guess what? It's to be shared with the church. And if you're prophesying over somebody, it better be before the church. Come on now, I just say that. Don't be prophesying over somebody in Kroger and nobody else can hear you. And you don't tell, and if you even if, all right, if you get the word, then you better go tell your pastor. It don't have to be me, but come on now. Go talk to some elders. It ain't just between you. It's just me and Jesus. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. He never said that. He said, my church, even when Jesus went to his most secret places, he took Peter, James, and John. I mean, when he transfigured, he still had three brothers with him. Come on. You're not out there by yourself. And lastly, the church, the church, the church is to perform the work of the ministry. Don't just leave it for your pastor. Don't just leave it for an elder. Or don't just leave it for sister so-and-so because you know she knows how to do street evangelism. Because really, it's not even about street evangelism. You know, street evangelism will catch some people, but it's going to probably... Uh, push away more people than it catches. <laughs> I'm not downing it. I, I did street evangelism. I love it. But I'm saying, listen, you live every day. You don't do street evangelism every day. But you go to work most every day. You talk to your family. Come on. This is where relational evangelism comes in. And the leader's job in the church is to equip the church to perform the work of the ministry. A go church is a church that is performing the work of the ministry. So, listen, I want to talk about you, and I hope I don't want to offend you because I'm really just giving you what the Word says. But listen, if you're a person that just maybe goes to church every once in a while and you just sit back and let everybody else do something, guess what? You're not part of it. You're not doing the work that Jesus called you to do. He called you to work, to do something. Be a part. Grab hold. Do something. Do anything. Come on. Are we a go church or are we not a go church? We are a go church. And when I say that, I don't mean just the life church, but the church of Jesus Christ. If you lift up the name of Jesus, then you're a go church. You're a go church.